Howdy, listeners. So this is a short episode of the Comedy Northwest podcast. It's just me sitting down with Mark Yaffe, who is a Native American stand-up comedian, uh, so a cousin of mine. We talk about our heritage a little bit. Um, But it's just a fun little chat that we did on the fly, so enjoy. Let's get started here. Welcome to the Comedy Northwest Podcast. I'm sitting here with my guest, Mark Yaffe. Here in Comedy Northwest headquarters. Great to be back, Ryan. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, It's been, what, just over a year since we had you here? Um, I think it was February of last year was the last time you were here, right? Yeah, it was It was a little wintry, but, you know, I, I'm, always, I'm always fortunate I hit Bend at just the right time. I don't get stuck in bad weather. I'm, I'm like, I have, I have a real inability to avoid complications in my life and every area of my life except when it comes to traveling and road weather or weather I, i'm just i'm just a forrest gump i don't know yeah. i don't know if that's even the right comparison i just <laughs> seem to i just seem to avoid to dodge the, the weather bullets and the travel delays yeah i've never been stuck in an airport or uh, trapped in a snowstorm so far after 15 years of comedy and 14 wow. years on the road you know i was thinking about that last night uh because you showed up for our show like half an hour beforehand, but you had it timed out so well. And this isn't the it's, first it's, time. Yeah, I don't recommend it, especially for the new <laughs> comedians. I mean, I'm, I'm, no, it's not the first time. I'm pretty, I'm, I generally like to be early. I'm, I'm late yeah. in, in most areas of my life. Comedy, I'm almost always there early afternoon. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Susan Jones, had a medical incident, so I went to visit her in the hospital in um, Seattle. So hopefully by the time this podcast airs, she's healthy and back on the road and, and back down here, right? Because yeah. I know you have, oh, you yeah, have yeah. her come through. Susan's awesome. So yeah, this is the one that I really, I took my uh, uh, time management trepidations to an extreme. I had a, yeah. I had a gig in La Crosse, Wisconsin, 8 p.m. So I left uh, Reno, Nevada. I flew out at like 6.15, change of planes, blah, blah, blah. I get in at uh, 4.45. Wow. Rent the car, got to drive like two hours down to La Crosse or whatever it was from Minneapolis and made it like at uh, a quarter to eight. Wow. So I don't recommend that. No, I, I, no, I don't. In fact, there are times in which I've had comedians not show up at all because they just got caught coming over the pass. Just coming over the mountain was a big deal for them. I mean, I, I can see in you know the 1990s or something <laughs> when you didn't have like instant weather alerts on yeah. your phone, and you know they got they got cameras everywhere in Oregon, ODOT stuff. Yeah. So it's just, it's just I think people just space out. Yeah, or they're just they they panic. They just figure they couldn't handle the pressure of bend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bend is so big. Yeah, a whole lot of dreams to fulfill here. Uh, <laughs> um, I. And you seem to have so much confidence in your ability, your timing and everything, because you went, you came to Bend by way of Seattle, which is no quick detour, but you were able to make it with time to spare. No big deal. Nobody was worried. Everything went off without a hitch. Well, that's a good thing about working with you, Ryan, because I know, okay, Ryan Ryan knows I'll be there. You know, you got some bookers and they're like, where are you? It's three o'clock. The show's at nine. They'll lie on the itinerary to get you there early. They'll play little tricks. Just, you know, you know what? We're adults here. And if I can't fulfill my contractual obligations, then uh, you have every right to fire me and not bring me back. Yeah. You know, instead they, you know, there's always this fear-based thing. And then some of the bookers, they're known, you know, uh, they'll like, 
like, hey, you know, I'll go in a new club. And, you know, you just uh, you come in and feature and then you push that headliner and, uh, you know, we'll bring you back and have you closer. Well, why are you turning the comics comics against each other? This is supposed to be a cooperative. Sh- yeah. This is a show. We're supposed yeah. to support each other. And and that's that's one thing about comedy it can be a little bit divisive sometimes and not always of the comedians. thinking. Yeah. So. Oh, God. Yeah. There are comedians that I will. I have to make sure that they call me as soon as they check into the hotel and that they are at the show an hour before. And then there's other comedians where as long as I just get a text saying that they're in town, that's good enough for me. But that's one of the reasons why I work with comedians that I've already worked with, because I know what to expect and I can put trust in uh, what I know about how they work. So that way it's not that big of a that's deal. That's true. And you're dealing, you're dealing with the mindset in a, in a mm-hmm. community of artists and creative people that aren't into structured lifestyle by and large. Yeah. Right? We don't, some people do come from a business background and that, you know, I worked at DMV for seven years. <laughs> I had to be, can you think of any more job further than comedy, you know? Oh God. And I used to, yeah. And, and so you, I had that sense of regimentation and uh, responsibility, but I certainly don't like it. And I'm finding now, you know, as much as I like just having a man, well, I'll sleep in today. I'll, I'll stay up to two in the morning and the next day I'm getting up at six and trying to make a flight. Yeah. You, you, I'm learning in my, my, uh, years passing that you know there is some uh, value in consistency and routine which is hard to get consistency and routine being a road comic yeah well and that's what i find so amazing is that you've been on the road so long that you can make random last minute trips all the way from seattle and you still know the like perfect timing down to the minute of it's where not, you can go and what you can idea, do but you know like what if i'm on the road yesterday and been like an avalanche or you know a yeah. 20 car pile up then i probably wouldn't have made it on time yeah. so I, I do play the odds and sometimes, and, and they, they t- seem to shake out in my favor yeah. most of the time. You're just lucky like that. You lucky yes. SOB. I know. <laughs> why, why can't it be, uh, why can't it be lucky and, and be discovered in band? And there was yeah. an HBO producer that gave me my own sitcom. Oh, there's so, so many the, HBO producers in band. It's you know, all, you know, some of those LA executives have their little getaway place up yeah. here. Ryan's probably rubbing, rubbing elbows with these guys and not letting us know. I, okay. I don't even, they're not even letting me know. Well, so that's the fact you got to, you guess, Got to converse it out. Trade more business cards. That's my issue. Got to get more on those business cards. Uh, So I want to ask you, I think I've had, there's got to be an episode that we've done of this podcast before, uh, because I'm pretty sure we've said that. Didn't we do it in the, we did it in the Econo Lodge. Did we do it at the Econo Lodge? Oh yeah. You're here last, I'll see if I can track down that audio. Yeah. Uh, remember, I think there's like a biker to rooms over. He was like changing the, uh, the, the, um, Bells on his uh, motorcycle got a little noisy. No, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Nothing yeah. against the Econo Lodge in Bend. It's a wonderful place to stay if you are here in the Central Oregon area. <laughs> the official lodging of Bend Comedy. Uh, so, what is uh, what is the worst possible outcome that you've ever had when traveling to a show? Have you just had absolutely horrible luck at any point in time? Sure, man. I got to think back. I know there's been some some. Traumas. I know one time I left Spokane, picked up a comic there. We were going to Great Falls, Montana. We hit a big snowstorm there. Now that was early, my early in the career, and uh, the show started at eight thirty. We didn't get there till ten. Wow! It was like it was like a three hour drive. It became like a seven hour epic drive. I spun yeah. out. I spun out on the ninety and hit a patch of ice. Ended up in the wall, but there was so much snow. It just like cushioned the car. It didn't even damage the. Oh, car. there you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a rental car. That isn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's but what you you're know, supposed I'm a to do. I don't take out full coverage. <laughs> you right. save that extra two dollars. Yeah. <laughs> the other time we were we were doing some shows in uh, Okinawa for the for the military at the Kadena Air Force Base, and they, we had a 
like category four typhoon, whatever that means. Wow. They locked us in. They said, here's some food. We'll come and check on you in a couple of days. The shows are canceled till further notice. So, oh, wow. So in, in a room, you know, we had still had internet and power, which was fine. Yeah. It was kind of weird. And then they rescheduled the show. Originally, I expected like about 300 people. We ended up with like five. Hey, there you go. Yeah. C- so. A captive audience. Like either you can listen to our comedy or you can go out in the storm. Entirely up to you. So the show was a disaster caused by a disaster. <laughs> I love it. No, it's an act of God. God didn't want to right. hear it that day. Yes. Jesus said, no comedy for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jesus took on the voice of a, of a uh, Lebanese uh, Arab man. Yeah. Uh, so what's the worst gig you've ever done? Mm. Um, I know when we, Powell Comedy Jam, I, my native tour, Jokesignals.com. Uh, plug there. My, my buddies and I, we went out to the, um, I think it was a um, Kishan uh, Reservation. I'm trying to remember. Some, it was a tribe in Western Arizona, and they were having their uh, uh, a tribal celebration. It was at the Evergreen Park. Now, this is in Western Arizona. So yeah. The Evergreen Park was a dirt softball field. <laughs> And there's no, no, not much greenery. There was uh, bleachers that were probably, uh, this is our, like our second or third gig. There's bleachers like probably 80 feet from the, the, the quote unquote stage. And then there were people sitting in their cars, like they were at the drive-in. They were listening. And then when they liked the jokes, they would like flash the lights or honk the <laughs> horn. <laughs> and, and right behind Evergreen Park, there was a, a major railway. So oh, about God. every seven minutes... There would be a train would come through right in the middle. You say, well, anyway, uh, so the KKK, the click, <laughs> okay, hold on. We'll get to the, let me start that one over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. It was fun. What about, what about hecklers? Any bad hecklers out there? Yeah, I mean, I've had, I've never had to have someone removed, like, from my show. I've, I've had some drunk people I've dealt with, and I might, might be very fortunate on that, because I work pretty quick and if I, if I use like a baseball analogy I'm like a pitcher that like the game ends in like yeah. two hours you know because I just keep I just try to keep the jokes punchy really fast so they people don't really have the time to interact you know yeah but uh, no I mean I, I've I've had some hecklers I've been involved in a show where it was really fun uh, I was working with a comedian Barry Diamond in Mesquite and he had a heckler in the second row uh, he made he did a joke about uh, opening a comedy club in Baghdad. This guy's like, my brother served in Iraq. What the hell are you talking? And he was all drunk, and they're like, so he said, you know what? And they start going at it, and fuck you. And he wasn't even insulting the troops. He was just making a, a joke about yeah, the, the G, he's going to open the Jihahas comedy club or something in Baghdad. <laughs> and the guy took umbrage, so they end up. There's five security guards. He's this big dude, and they're wrestling him in the front of the audience. So they didn't stop. So stopping the show, Barry's <laughs> he's still trying to do jokes. And he's says, cue my music, and he starts doing his closer song oh, while these cops, security guards, were like wrestling the guy out the doors in front of the whole audience. Oh, my <laughs> God. Awesome. That's got to be horrible. Uh, what about, because I've had somebody, has anybody ever thrown anything at you on stage? I've had no projectiles yet. No, really? No, thank So wait, God. how long have you been doing comedy? I'm, uh, this year 16 is, this is 16 uh, years. Yeah. I mean, I've had people, I've had people, um, heckle and say, you suck. I mean, I've had a couple of those, but it's been few and far between. Most people are polite. I think, I think the energy you can kind of give off at the stage, they sense like, you know what? Yeah. We don't like the guy, but you know, we're, we'll just leave him. We'll leave him in peace. Yeah. But, 
Uh, bachelorette parties, I, I've had some, some runs of those. Those can be a little bit obnoxious, yeah. you know, to be honest. Nothing against, I, I'm all for marriage, you know, but uh, I just don't believe in celebrating impending marriage at a comedy club. No. Um, in fact, if you, have you heard, have you ever seen Scoot Herring? No. He's a Portland comic. He has this entire five-minute rant about how... For some reason, society has deemed it like we all just decided as a society that it is okay for uh, pre-married women to don themselves in penises and just go out in public and act like assholes. Right. And then wear a virgin white gown two weeks later (laughs) to the wedding and act like you're proven proper. But yeah, just just draping themselves in penises and going out in public. And for some reason, that's okay. But if a guy like if he ever gets married, he's going to go out with just a big vagina medallion. Right. With like a little shot glass in the middle of it. So you just, you know, jello shots, you know, <laughs> licking at it, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. And it's true. And it's true. It's it's one of those rants that's hysterical, but you're like, oh my God, it's true. For some reason, we just decided it was okay the, for the that bachelor- to happen in society. I don't understand. The bachelorette party is where women decide we're going to act like dudes. We're going to act like idiots. Yeah. Women, are so to me, are so much smarter and insightful than men. But you get them together in that bachelorette group, it's, yeah. it's like a fucking... Uh, you just hit them in the head with a, a stun gun or something. Yeah. You know, The brain cells just stop working. Yeah. It's, it's the basic theory of... I don't look as bad as the people around me. So as long as I'm not acting as stupid as the people next to me, but I can still act stupid, then I'm really not as bad. So they're in this group and each one is just trying to set the bar lower and lower for each other. And then eventually they're just sprawled out on the sidewalk in a pool of their own urine. And mom, <laughs> his mom is like trying to shepherd the group. It's always sad. Yes. They always have like the one older, like the aunt or the mom yeah. with them. It's like, you know what? I never really wanted to be here. And now I have to watch my daughter. Yeah. And now all the stories are coming out in her drunken uh, <laughs> stupidity of all her friends talking about some past uh, uh, issues, you yeah. know, that mom didn't know about. So this is lovely before the wedding. Yeah, exactly. And the men, see the men, they just take that puritanical, they just go to the strip club and leer and, yeah. and get drunk. See, what could go wrong there? Yeah. So you were married. Right, was 22 years. 22 years. Yeah. What was your bachelor party like? You know what? I don't even think I even had a bachelor party. Really? I was in this weird phase at the time. I, I had a wedding uh, when I got married. I only invited 50 people. Mm-hmm. And it was I was such an idiot. I told my friends, are you, are you, are you single right now? Good, because I'm, I'm really short on on uh, space. If you just want to come, you know, be some friends we know there. But yeah. if you're not bringing a date, don't feel obligated. I was like, what an idiot, you know? <laughs> yeah. And my parents are so annoyed. They threw a reception the next week because I have like a, 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 I come from a big mix family on my mom's side and they're like well you gotta invite all your relatives you know we gotta drink tequila and oh god yeah so we ended up having a big celebration anyway but my ex she was in love she put up with it i'm like ah i want to have a small wedding and uh, it's like catholic spanish that one we no, but that one was it was i was kind of in my non-denominational phase we did she was jewish we had a rabbi oh really who married her parents her mom and her stepdad oh wow so maybe that was a bad sign well that's kind of interesting I don't know. It was, yeah. And then I stepped on the glass and you're supposed to break the glass. I didn't do that properly. And so maybe that was a sign because it wasn't a clean break when you, you do the Mazel Tovs. You're not glass. supposed to wear moccasins when you do it. You're supposed to wear hard soled shoes. Yeah, that's, Makes it yeah, easier. That's, yeah. And, I, and the blood you know, coming up the aisle was, was really Yeah, ugly, that can you know? be tough. That can be tough. But it's one of those warrior wounds that you'll carry. I went the, right through it, kept dancing. And yeah. Party. So you will forever have that battle scar from this day. <laughs> So what, so let's see, you were married for 22 years. Um, so you were started doing comedy when you were married. Well, yeah, I right? didn't, I didn't start comedy till I'd been married for like, uh, five or six 
No, no, probably for six or seven years at least. Okay. And I, I, we, I left DMV. I opened a traffic school in Northern California because and driver, driver's training and driver's education because, you know, I had yeah. backgrounds. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just do this and I can kind of freelance. And I started teaching traffic school classes and people are like, oh, man, you're funny. You should do comedy. And so I went to uh, Last Unlimited in Sacramento looking for, uh, uh, I was trying to track down teachers to hire to comics to teach my traffic school classes and expand yeah. and then yeah. they're like well she's teaching a comedy class and then i went and ended up taking this comedy class i go i'll go check that out and i signed up and then the, the other instructor liked me a lot uh, del van dyke out of sacramento and we started to start taking me on the road and yeah it's kind of mushroomed which was yeah. which was good and at first it didn't impact my marriage but i think as is my wife and i as, as the years went on she's just like Oh, you're here this week. Oh, you're not gone. <laughs> she didn't. She started to, to uh, only miss me. Uh, you know, to not not miss me when I was gone, and uh, yeah. can't wait for me to leave when I was home. So it wasn't <laughs> a good thing, you know. So yeah. it wasn't all her. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure I probably drove her nuts, and and I had my my uh, bad habits. But uh, yeah, we we uh, we got two great daughters, and. Uh, we still, you know, we, we talk. She married this crazy dude, which I joke about. I said she married a 67-year-old uh, drunk, disabled, diabetic. Because he's not even a sugar daddy. He's an insulin uncle. <laughs> uh, but he actually, he passed away. They were married for like two years, and he, he, died, he died of cancer. Which, and he didn't take care of himself. And he didn't believe in doctors and all this. Yeah. So, so I said, right, so now you're divorced, you're a widow, and so I guess for the trifecta, you need to murder your next husband. <laughs> Uh, yes. So she actually laughs. That was good. Yeah, so. well, that's good. Yeah. From what you've told me, it was a pretty civil uh, separation. Dude, I said, let's, we, we should just end it. This isn't working. She goes, fine. I'll drop, drop the divorce. We did a do it yourself divorce. Oh, really? No lawyers, nothing. She just filed it in the court. My buddy witnessed it. And six months later, boom, straight. You know, you just, just filled out the sheet in the back of the divorce for dummies book. And that was it. Didn't even need, to, I don't think she even got online. If, yeah. Well, someone had to look something up, but I yeah. didn't, you know, I probably didn't even read it. She could have probably taken everything. I would have probably, oops, yeah. right behind me. But, uh, well, that's cool. Divorce is hard on kids, though. When we got divorced, my oldest daughter's like, Dad, you're going to divorce. Who's going to have custody of me now? I'm like, you're 21. Visa has custody <laughs> of you now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how old are your daughters now? 25 and 24. And where do they live? One is uh, in the Bay Area. She's, uh, she works at St. Mary's College, and she's, she's a dancer, so she does uh, some acting and, and dances. And then the, uh, my other daughter, Allison, that's Haley. And then my other daughter, Allison, is in New York, and she is a uh, um, jazz guitar vocalist. And so she does some gigs around there. She also is in a uh, uh, all-female Guns N' Roses tribute band called Rocket Queens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you told me about that yeah, last night. Right? So I love awesome. cover bands. Yeah. So, you know what's bad when she said, uh, she goes, uh, the, uh, if I want to stay in the group, the uh, the head of the, the group, the band said I have to stop drinking. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's now sober. I didn't realize she had the drinking problem. Well, for her yeah. career. She's got to do it for her career. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, so that's probably better. But, you know, jazz, guitar, and Guns N' Roses, I don't, that's, that's like DMV and uh, comedy. Yeah. You know, I, it's odd that you say that because the last time I was at the DMV, I had needed to get new tags for my car, sat there. And like in Redmond, uh, no big deal. Go to the DMV, maybe five people in front of you. Why did uh, you go to Bend? Are you, are you I did go to Bend. Here? Okay. I did go to Bend. That was my mistake. Oh. I go in there and there's about 30 to 40 people in front of me. And I walked in there and it was the stereotypical DMV lobby. There was an old man balding with glasses with one of those big fatty neck braces mm -hmm. just sitting there. There was an old woman with her walker. There was a 
uh, baby crying. A large, overweight women, a woman with five babies hanging all over her. Nice, nice, all, yeah. m- well, half of them on her, the other half running around terrorizing yeah, the place. Yeah. Exactly. And I was sitting there, and everybody's just quiet and just looking at the floor. And I, every every ounce of my being wanted to just stand up and just start telling jokes and just see what happens. It's a captive audience. Nobody can leave. If they leave, they lose their number and they lose their place. Well, they could have like the arts and government. Just have like, you know, instead of arts in the park, just have comedians just just entertaining. Exactly. I think that would be much better. Strolling musicians in the DMV lobby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, what, the Make-A-Wish kids can go to Disneyland and whatnot. I think the people sitting at the DMV should at least get a comedian. It's just as painful to go through, right? Yeah. Well, it'd be pretty painful for the comedian, too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Trust me. Yeah, no. I worked with this... Uh, I, so I, I started my DMV career in uh, in L.A., big, like, you know, one of those giant offices, like 50 employees. Oh, yeah. And I ended up going to Santa Barbara, which is, was re- very weird because all the foreign students and tourists would come there from Europe because it was so much cheaper to get a driver's license yeah. and take a vacation. Like in Germany, I think it was like three or $4,000 to get a license. So here they'd come here, they'd, they'd pass the written test and schedule a driving test and just hang out for a couple of weeks while yeah. they're waiting for their appointment. And they'd end up getting a license and a, and a California vacation, like half the cost. Yeah. They'd go back to Germany and then they'd, they'd switch it over for a German license. So you always had these like foreign uh, folks come in. I remember the weirdest one was this one time this, this Chinese guy showed up and he had a, a double set of thumbs on, on both hands, which was the most awkward. I was so distracted. I'm trying to give him the driving test. All I could see was that little extra thumb on top of his big thumb, just like flapping back and forth. And I want, I'm like, I want to take my clipboard and just like, let me just get that for you right now. Just clip, right? It's, just a, it's just a really bad hangnail. Really yes. bad hangnail. Yeah, it's little mini thumbs. I'm like, yeah, he must, this guy's the worst hitchhiker ever. Did he, when, did you, when you say that he passed his test, did he give you the thumbs Double up? Double thumbs up. Double yeah. thumbs up, yeah. <laughs> Quadruple thumbs. Yeah. That's yeah. so weird. Extra thumbs. So how, was it in between or was it? It was, like, it was piggyback right on top of the bottom of the, the base of the thumb. There was the other thumb. Yeah. Interesting. The little. On top, one on like thumb. piggybacking. I gotcha. Weird. I know. I wonder, huh. What could you do with something like that? Yeah, I mean, you see, how do you? I mean, of course, I think in entertainment terms, it's terrible. Like, how can we exploit this? Make it into a reality show? Put him on yeah. America's Got Talent? I mean, he could definitely go at scratch it's a lot faster than anybody else. <laughs> um, with just the thumb, right? But yeah, I don't know. Maybe hitchhiking. Maybe he could hitchhike twice as far, twice as fast. Um, yeah, I don't know. Thumb war. He'd probably be really good at thumb war. Yeah, exactly. That little one just sneak up on you. He was. It would be. It would be. He would have his own little tag team. Yes, Uh, more tag team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You never know the deep topics we'll uh, discuss here on the Northwest. Yeah, exactly. So uh, one of the other questions I always like to ask, uh, and I know that you've done uh, USO tours uh, and performed for the troops and whatnot. Um, so I want to ask separately, non-military, what is the best show that you've ever done? Non-military? Yes, non-military. Huh. That's interesting how you segment them. Because right? yeah. most comics say that their military shows are the best. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of, yeah. especially like war zones. Anytime yeah. you're close to a war zone and you perform for them, not only is it the most intense stories that I've heard, but they always say that those are the most appreciative audiences. Yeah. So the best non, well, it's probably the, when I did the Showtime special in uh, L.A. We filmed at the El Rey Theater, yeah. going, going native, the American Indian Comedy Slam. They had to say the American Indian Comedy Slam because they weren't sure if people would understand going native was about American Indians. 
Indians and not oh, Jesus. Uh, South Asian Indians. Yeah. It's like let's let's spoon people spoon feed people, right? right? Yeah. So that you know the producer was like, "Oh, we we you know, we've been sending out f- emails and Facebook messages for and no one's responding. We're really concerned that no one will show up." And Charlie Hill when he was alive, a uh, native comedy legend, he was the first native American on uh Carson and uh, yeah. Richard Pryor show. You know, he had a lot of great credits. And so Charlie, we had a radio show in LA and he put the blast out. We started his time. And so we got there and it was just crazy because it was like people literally lined up for like uh, 200 yards wow. waiting to get in the theater. They turned people away and it was like, you know, so they were like, oh, they didn't know what to expect. And, and you know, and, the, and when you do a TV thing, it's just like, okay, well, it, it might be a, like a studio audience have done those where there's kind of like a. Yeah. And then these guys, people were just so into it. And uh, the funny part is my adopted parents, my dad's this little short Jewish guy. It's just like the sea of Indians and this little bald Jewish guy and Mexican lady next to him sitting right in the middle of the audience. And there's one clip of my dad. He started dozing off during one of the sets. (laughs) Everyone else going up. He's, you know, he's 80 something years old back then. He's just kind of this, you know. Great dad, and could you have edited that out? I mean, but that was, oh it was, no, no, it was, no. Yeah. I'm sure there were multiple people like, no, leave that in, yeah. leave but that they in. Didn't know what, I don't think they made the connection. That's the worst part. I don't think it's not like I introduced him to the producer. And yeah, we didn't get a chance. But well, you guys but, must look exactly alike, right? <laughs> no, no, not quite. And that's that's so funny because my mom, my birth, my adopted mother's very like uh, uncomfortable about the adoption situation. Uh-huh. She she'll never tell admit that I'm adopted. Yeah. I mean, if people act, ask her to pin her down, so I'll say, but she'll say, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, your son, he's so tall and dark. Because she'll say, oh, yes, yes, he is. Yeah. We, we fed him well when he was growing up. But she'll always make some Got a lot of sun back in the day. issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like, That's interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, nowadays, being uh, adopting seems so much more noble than yeah. just I, mean, I don't know. She's, she's old school. I think she's, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it's just like, well, I couldn't have kids. And this was our stand-in. Or, well, we thought we could have done better. But this, we got outbid for the that Brad Pitt-looking kid. And, yeah. And back in, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting. Huh. So how old were you when you were adopted? Do you, like, do you, were you old enough to remember it? No, I was like three days old. You were only three days old. Yeah. Oh, so this is right. Okay. Yeah, so my birth mother, I met her when I was 25. In fact, mm-hmm. when I used to work at DMV, she sent me this big old envelope, you know, with a handwritten letter. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. you know, she tracked me down and talked the uh, adoption records, adoption people to unseal the records, which back yeah. then was totally illegal. This is the yeah. 80s, you know. Now yeah. it's everything's pretty much open adoption. Yeah. But um, what's my point? I got all ADD'd out on myself. <laughs> adoption, mom. Mom. Birth mother. Uh, old school. And, birth mother tracked you down, sent you an envelope. Yeah, so I was at DMV, and I was there was something about the the whole the whole process. It was, so she told me that she held me for like fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and then they took her from me. Yeah, or took me from her, and then took her from me, left me there. Yeah. <laughs> Get they, out of the they, hospital they now. They wheeled yeah. her out. She right. went home with a nice family. <laughs> right, right. They left me there to fend for myself. Yeah, three 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 hours old. So I always thought it was like I went from there right to the you know to the adopted family, but mm-hmm. the, my mom said when when we. Picked you up when you were three days old, so oh, okay. Everybody was missing two two days, and uh, you were you were all alone hours. for three days. So yeah, because I know my sister, my adopted sister was she was in foster care. She was three months old when they adopted her. I oh, was wow. three days old, so I guess they, you know, sent me to some little mm-hmm. uh, uh, adopt a you know adopt a spot or something where you yeah. where you hang out motel motel six for adopted babies. So. Yeah. So your adopted parents, you said, were Jewish. Is that right? My adopted dad is Jewish. My adopted mom is Mexican. Oh, okay. Pillar, yeah. I assume some hardcore Catholic. Catholic. Like, like okay. she, she, you know, like ran the rectory for the priests and stuff. Yeah. And you know, she's like 
they they come to her for you know, hey if we forgot the words for the mass there you go here so what did they think what did your parents think when you started doing comedy it, it, like anyone in my family, they were like uh, skeptical at first. Of yeah. course, you know, what, what do you what do you do with that for? You know, they won't tell you not to do it. No, but no, they always quite believe I, in oh, it. Oh yeah, and then until I start getting paid, and then once you're on TV, oh my son's a comedian. Oh yeah, yeah so he's he's great. And before it's like, well, well, why are you doing this? This when when are you going to go back to getting a real job? You know? Yeah. TV. Thank you, TV. Yeah. And when when are you going to go back and get a real job? <laughs> Um, next week, next possibly. Week? I don't Is know. Yeah. After shows like Sometimes this? Sometimes you think about, you know, it's just like, geez, if I'd stayed with the state, I'd be like, I got a big fat retirement and I'd be ready to just go chill and just take it easy in a few years. But no, nah, I mean, I'll never retire. Shit. But you'd just be sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. With this, you get to see the world. Exactly. Go to ah. Bend, Medford, Oregon. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't City, ask Montana. the other half of my question, uh -oh. which is the military side. What is oh. your best military show? Like, what do, you, do you have any good military by, show? By stories? and large, uh, my best military show far and away would be uh, um, when I shave my head on stage during my show. Really? And I was in uh, um, a Ford operating marine base. It was called Camp Hit. And so I think they'd, some, one of the guys had uh, either been seriously wounded like they, or he died like a week or two before. So I said, man, we should try to do something. To yeah. Kind of just, just instead of just a regular comedy show, what would yeah. really take it to the next level? So my hair is way down past my shoulders. And, and my mom hated it. She's like, hey, you should get a haircut. So I said, you know what? I'll kill two birds in one stone. It's fucking hot out here in the desert. Yeah. My mom would love it if I just uh, cut my hair off. And I'm like, you know what? That's, I should do something different. So it's a pretty big gesture, too. Yeah. So I said, let's, I, f I found a sergeant. I said, this is the Marines. They got to have clippers everywhere, right? Yeah. They all got the <laughs> Marine cut. So, so I found this one sergeant. And then he, he said, hey, I want to do this tonight on stage. He goes, yeah, yeah, we can make that happen. And he found another pair of clippers and my buddy uh jr redwater we were doing the show together with uh, justin mcclure so he's like yeah yeah well, i'm gonna you're gonna have a pair of clippers he's gonna have a pair of clippers and we're gonna have one of you on each side so i started get up there and just started just joking and it was the old classic like the bob hope world war ii thing oh yeah you're on a flatbed truck and there's like the the spotlights the other five ton trucks they flip the headlights on and yeah. you know it's a little speaker mounted on the on the back of the flatbed so it was as, as uh grassroots military as you can get you know it wasn't wasn't like in the yeah the mess hall or the yeah uh, the theater on the base so it was like okay so i was like yeah i just started telling jokes i said yeah well i think that's i'm really sick of my hair who wants to see me get my hair or something i just joked around they yeah. thought i was joking and then they came up and started going they just all wow that's that was cool. fun so yeah a fistful of hair right there. <laughs> wave it in the air have you have you ever been out there in any scene and seen any battle any action? No, I mean, when I was there, it was like 2009, so we kind of settled oh, okay. down. Yeah. We did have an incoming rocket one time. They, they launched the lob some rocket at the camp, and yeah. so you hear this big boom, and people are all scurrying around. And the week before, uh, one of the buildings at the um, uh, Al-Assad Air Base had been hit pretty bad, and it was all mm -hmm. smashed in. So that was a week before we got there. But the thing that's cracking me up is we fly into, you fly into Kuwait, and you have like all this security detail, and it Follow, you know, car tra trailing you and all this. And it's like, you know, so they're looking out for you, right? Yeah. And then on the way back, I say, ah, you know what? Yeah, well, the security guys are tied up, so we're just going to drive you back. That's, <laughs> you know, you hey, had this a, planned all along. Right? I know. It seemed like it really great. We took care yeah. of you. Yeah. You Thank did your you job. Thank you for your service as an American citizen in support of the military. Now, good luck to you. With, I think there's a bicycle behind that right. shed over there. Go ahead and yeah. take that back to we the We have airport. a goat cart and a bicycle. <laughs> you can ride one of our donkeys. Go you, ahead. Take those. You, you call uh, uh, Kuwait Uber, and they'll take care of you. <laughs> Huh. It, your car will arrive in 12 years. 
Yeah, why is that driver, why is that driver wearing a vest? This is not good. Yeah. <laughs> why is he Why is he stopping halfway yeah. between here and my destination? Right. Why is he getting out of the car? Why, why we, is he going? Why in? are we yeah! speed Why are we speeding up toward this checkpoint? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Uh, so what? Uh, I guess my next question, uh, and I think we can wrap it up after this. We want to do a quick one. I was glad that you were able to hang out for a little Thank bit. Thank you for uh, uh, Did an amazing show last night, which I appreciate uh, over there at Summit. Uh, but not the biggest audience, but I think we did a good job. Oh, they seem happy. And I yeah. And I actually, I met I met a couple people. I met the uh, the raw uh, the raw pie, no, raw cheesecake guy. Uh, oh, the, Barkley. Uh, uh, plant-based pies. Plant-based pies. Yes. So I'm going to go get a pie on my way out of town. They are uh, right now unofficially, but they will soon be our next official Ben Comedy sponsor. That guy's great. He's just yeah. he's so enthusiastic and uh, uh, type 2 diabetes, man. He just <laughs> kicked its ass. The yeah. dude's all in shape and everything. And Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I said, hey, when you make it big, I want to I be the... Uh, the cheesecake guy going around the country. You can sponsor my tour. I'll give up free slices. Yeah, there the you go. Yeah. Um, so here's my final question. Uh, and I, of course, I asked you when you started, what your parents think. Uh, but from the time that you started to the time now, what is your definition of a success? How has it evolved since then? And where are you right now in relation to that definition? I'm very bad at uh, setting goals and plans, so <laughs> this is one of my issues. I'm, I'm meeting with someone about that. So I, Eventually. I think, yeah, my definition of success versus the, you know someone else's definition of it. They say, oh yeah, you're successful. You've been on TV. You do that for a living. I haven't had, haven't had to have a job in uh, seven or eight years, a real job. So, yeah. I mean that's so in that regards, I feel successful. Um, there's still a lot of frustration because it's, uh, you know, there's some, some things that I haven't been able to do and, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to get, we're working on a, a TV sitcom about a native teaching citizenship to new immigrants called almost Americans. There you go. And so we're trying to get that sold. That's a slow, tedious process. Yeah. And, you know, we, we think we're close and then, you know, when, when production or when network says, yeah, we're going to, we want to do something. And then they, ah, oh, we're backlogged and we, we're going to, we're, we've changed, you know, one guy shoots it down. So, you know, yeah. you're caught up in that Hollywood, um, um, grind mill, you know. So, and, yeah. and as far as I, f- I feel successful on like on stage, I I love where I'm at. And I love the material I get to do. Um, Business wise, you know, I got a long way to go because I'm. Uh, it's always in this game. It's always about okay. You got to keep planning out your next gigs, and even if you have a manager and agent, you still got to hustle up your own work. It doesn't, mm-hmm. they, you know, unless you're at the top top of the game. I don't think Jim Gaffigan's <laughs> making phone calls trying to see if he can get a weekend in uh, uh, Tacoma. Yeah, and in, in, in next July, you know. But yeah. uh, I'm still my own booker, agent, driver. Yeah, manager. <laughs> yeah, I'm just very impressed by how independent and how successful you are at what you're doing. I just it's just a good sh- sh- facade. You know? <laughs> I curled up in a ball last night, and cried myself. Oh no, 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 it's fun. I love it. I mean, I love traveling. A lot of people are like, well, don't you get tired of traveling? No, I mean, it's great. We get to yeah. come out, and hang out. Okay, I'm gonna go do the podcast with Ryan and do his room, and then I'm gonna see some friends in Medford, and then so you know, you meet a lot of great folks in comedy, uh, the the comedians mm. and the the audience members and and you see you know it's, it's a great country to travel in you know mm-hmm. so it's, yeah uh, I'm, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything yeah I, I I do the one thing that I don't envy is just the loneliness out on the road driving in between places I tend to get I tend to get bored my mind wanders 
but I'm left alone with my thoughts. It's horrible. But yeah, well, yeah, there's Sirius XM. I listen to some yeah. podcasts. Or you know, just, I mean, that's good to have. You know, I, I the more I read too, and I try to study. Hey, what's what's the creative processes? They say yeah. that those 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 quiet spaces in between when you're trying to think of something. That's when the yeah. that's when a lot of stuff comes into your head. It's like boom. Hey, there's the punchline of that joke. Yeah, that's the topic I couldn't remember. Oh yeah, those are some things that that uh, I really want to. Uh, explore doing in my career. Yeah. But see, that's the best part, is that the only time that you're really alone is when you are driving in between shows. But the best part is that there's no time in between shows. You're just, you are going from one show to the next to the next, and you don't seem like you have to, I mean, you as any comedian, you have to work hard to make these bookings. Hold on, I've got a cough. Hold on, sorry, people. <laughs> <laughs> but you no longer have to put in the, like, the real elbow grease in order to get bookings and keep that going. You're yeah. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I feel like, yeah, I thought it's not on autopilot. Yeah. I thought it would have been after this. So I it's, always... the, it's to the point now where your reputation and talent speaks for itself. Yes. But where that's getting you more bookings than you cold calling or anything like that. Uh, not necessarily because there's so many talented comedians that have been around for 15, 20, 30 years. So yeah. the old school people are, have been doing it for longer that were at that peak and, you know, TV and at theaters, they're coming back down into the clubs and then the newbies that are coming up, a lot of those guys, you know, they're put on their own shows and bringing heat and their YouTube's, you know, Facebook, Twitter sensations and, yeah. and they're bypassing the traditional, Oh, you got to do 10 years on the road and build a yeah. track and they're boom, they're in, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, there's, it's the wild west, but it's great. I mean, I can create my own stuff. I, you know, I mean, Hey, you want to go out and build a Facebook following or Twitter following, you know, just go do it. You want to mm-hmm. have a YouTube channel and your, your stuff's funny enough. Eventually someone's going to see it. So yeah. it's, uh, and we all know that the native Americans came out on top in the old West. So we, <laughs> we can look forward to that. Yeah. Like Vaughn says, you watch uh, how the West has went backwards and it, yes. ends, it ends way better. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed a lot more. <laughs> well, Mark, thank you very much for sitting down, talking to us again. I'll see if I can find that old episode that we did way back when and put it out there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to compare what I said then now and see how much of this was just total bullshit. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. Uh, have fun out there on the road. We'll talk to you again sometime. Look forward to it next time.